Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Hello, welcome to another edition of Club Shay Shay. I am your host and proprietor, and the gentleman that stops by the club for some conversation and a drink today is a comedian, he's an actor, he's a writer, he's a producer, Mr. J.B. Smooth. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life. Yeah. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life. Smooth, what's going on, bro? <laughs> hey, man. I told you, man, I'm working on these guns right now, trying to get these, to get these guns right. Now, most people work out, they, they get the guns right for the summer. Right. I get my guns right for the wintertime. I'm more of a, you know, I like my turtleneck look good on me. So I'm a right. turtleneck guy. I don't know what you, right. I like a good turtleneck, man. A I, well-fit turtleneck look good with arms in your chest a little bit, you know? It, it does. It's, it's, it's kind of like, almost like the bodysuit for the, the female, the cat, the bodysuit, catsuit for the female, because it accentuates. Right. If, you, if you're muscular, if you got decent uh, body structure, it's like, wow, okay, yeah, yeah, I like that. I'm gonna tell you something, Shannon. The turtleneck is the greatest invention in fashion history. <laughs> the turtleneck. When the turtleneck came out, and see, and it transcends all, yeah. all time. It's time. It's in the future. I'm telling you, in the future, it's cats wearing turtlenecks. In the future, they're wearing them in the past. The turtleneck has been around a long time. Well, because you can dress it up or dress it down. You can wear it with a suit. You can wear it with jeans. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a great it's a great piece. I, I recommend that every man have at least one. I've not seen. I've not seen uh, anybody wear one with shorts yet. But no, no, no. But it's because see, you, know, you just gave yeah. somebody an idea. But <laughs> <laughs> because you remember, smooth. It used to be you never saw anyone wear uh, uh, shorts with a tie or with a suit oh, jacket, and now guys right. are wearing shorts and ties and bow ties. So you All just gave someone shorts. an idea. I just gave my dope idea. Hey, why not, man? This is this is about to be turtleneck weather. I'm getting I'm getting my turtlenecks lined up. I got a bunch of them, all all colors, lined up, ready to go. Ready well, to go. considering considering you're saying it's about to be turtleneck weather, it's very apparent to me you do not live in L.A. You live back east. No, it doesn't matter to me where I live. You understand, <laughs> Shannon? I'm I'm on the West Coast, of course. I'm back and forth in New York, but guess okay. what? When I when I go to New York and I'm wearing a turtleneck and I fly back wearing said turtleneck. And I land at LAX, and it's 90 degrees outside. I'm still wearing that damn turtleneck home. I'm going to wear that turtleneck. I'm going to pull it off and have a tank top underneath, underneath 
Because I don't wear no damn tank top underneath my turtleneck because I want to look smooth. You I don't look want smooth. you to see. I don't want you to see the turtle, the damn. Yeah, you you want to see that silhouette. Top. You want everybody to see that silhouette. You want to see the pegs yeah. and the delts and uh, yeah, yeah, the traps. You want all that accentuated. To me, a turtleneck, a, a, a damn a tank top getting away. Yeah, I hate. It's like seeing a bra strap on on, on a on a on a on a, on a bodysuit. Like, right. Why she got that damn turtle, right. that damn br brazier uh, <laughs> showing up under that damn cat suit? <laughs> So, bro, tell me what's going on. How you, how you been? Man, I'm doing good, man. I'm just, uh, you know, we we camping out, man. We on the quarantine right now, of course. Right. We all just camping the easy. No, no, we doing no. You got, you got to come over one night. Uh, okay. We do a little social distancing picnic in the yard. Okay. You know, everybody bring a little blanket. You know, I even got myself one of those picnic baskets. You know. Really? Do you have one of those? I do not. Let me tell you something. When when I walk into my yard, right, and we we, we make it a whole event, right? We make it a whole event. I, I get you know, put a little put a little shirt on, you know. I have my uh, my little sandals on or whatever, or or I'll go barefoot because it, it, it is my damn yard. And I bring my little picnic basket. Now in that Ooh. picnic basket, you you put little wine glasses in there. You put a little put some little snacks you like to snack on. And I'm tell you something. Ain't nothing in the world better than and some grapes. You know, maybe some vegan cheeses. Oh, assortment, assortment of vegan cheeses. <laughs> you getting dressed up? You going through all this, 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 this show and dance to walk fifty feet to your backyard? Hey, hey, I'm dressed up right now. You, mean, we, we, <laughs> man, I ain't even shirt. I got when they say I want to be on your show, I put my shoes on. I got my dress pants on. You know, I threw, I threw a little Davy Smooth T-shirt on though. Yeah, I see that. I threw a little hat on. I'm glad you're not making the mistake like some of these people doing on Zoom and they doing a little bit too much on Zoom. They forget that you do realize on Zoom, people can see you. This is not the old, the old, the old, just the audio. This is visual also. So the antics that you think you might have had going back then, you can't right. do that on a Zoom call. Hey, technology has advanced to the point where you can't do, you got to be careful and watch what the hell you say and watch yes. what you're doing. You be live, people be living all the time. And yes. Anything can happen when you live, anything can go wrong, you know? So I watched I, the lady I, the other day. She was helping up, obviously, the home, those kids are home. And the lady yeah. walked by, she ain't got no bra on. And the teacher, like, ma'am, ma'am, your son's on, you're all live. Ma'am. Back in the day, we call that show and tell. Yeah. We call that show and tell back in the day. You bring, you know, you bring something to class like that, you got to talk about it. <laughs> so, Obviously, there have been, you know, with the pandemic going on, there's not having, yeah. you know, obviously you couldn't do a whole lot. But are there any projects? Have you been working on any projects since some of the quarantine has been lifted? Yes, man. Yes. This has been a remarkable kind of thing that we're dealing with right now. You know, it forces your hand. You know, right. when you're dealing with, uh, you know, just limited access to studios and, and your coworkers and all that kind of stuff. So, you gotta, you gotta like, like we just said, the technology has advanced to the point where you gotta be creative with it. And I've been, I've been recording uh, animated shows from right. the crib via Zoom or whatever, like we're doing right now. Uh, of course, a lot of people might have heard my voice in the, in the, in the woke on uh, Netflix. No, um, um, woke, uh, the, the woke series is on mm -hmm. Hulu. I'm sure a lot of people heard that uh, and caught that. Um, that's been fun. Um, with Lamorne and, and a bunch of us on that show. It's really fun. I played a pin. 
I played I played a damn pin, man. I played a pin <laughs> on the show. So so it has been amazing doing that kind of stuff. Uh recorded some uh, other animation. I did some uh uh, American Dad stuff and a bunch of that kind of stuff. But at the same time, um, you know, I also recorded uh, a bunch of uh, stuff for IFC. We did some uh, promos in my yard. I just did something for the NFL just about an hour ago. Really? The, the, the crew just left out of here, man. You know, it just keeps you... Uh, but you know what? I've been lucky because I planted a lot of seeds, man. Right. You know, I, I just planted a lot of seeds, man. You know, I show up early. I stay late. You know, uh, people come over to do stuff, whether I'm in a studio, even before the pandemic, I just kept planting these little seeds. I'd rather have the phone keep ringing continuously over a long period of time, as opposed to me just doing things, one thing here and another thing, you know, whatever. Right. But I like to plant those little seeds, man, so I stay busy, you know. Um, and uh, of course, Kirby Enthusiasm, we're coming back with season 11. That's right. gonna be a blast, man. So, you know, I'm always looking forward to see what, uh, what crazy Larry got got up his sleeve, man. You know, he always finds a way to attach the the climate of the world to the show. So I want to see what he brings, you know, dealing with all this stuff right here, you mm -hmm. know, out of his head. And uh, we go back to work and we'll start doing that again. And then, um, you know, of course, I'm producing a bunch of stuff. Um, and this is kind of my season, man. You know, um, I, I, love, I love being busy about this time. You know, the fall is kind of my thing, man. Right. Of course, of course we can't, you know, I, I had to cancel like 15, maybe 20 shows uh, off my tour, my stand-up tour. But, right. you know, we'll, we'll get back to it when things are safer. It's, the main thing is that people are safe. You know, I did this, <laughs> I was on, um, you know, all the clubs have limited seating now. Right. You know, it's, lim it's limited seating because they can't, even the restaurants, you can't have a a whole room for people no more. Right. But, but you want these restaurants and these clubs to make their money. Correct. You know, you want them to be able to stay afloat. So I, I was on um, Conan O'Brien. I told Conan, I said, man, look, here's my idea. You know, since we can't have people that close to each other, it's about the proximity people to each other. So I told them the restaurants should get to back to maximum capacity mm -hmm. by having something I call lap seats. So you get a lap seat. You go with your lady to a restaurant. She got to sit in your lap. Your whole family. <laughs> your whole family. You, you, you on the bottom, of course. Your lady on your lap. Your kids on on each other laps. And you stack each other up like a totem pole. <laughs> See that way, the restaurants can still get a lot of people, but you ain't so you know you're going up. You ain't going out. So you you ain't too close to well, each other. You go up. See most. Of, now you, I, I don't. Um, out here in LA, most of the restaurants now have partitions. Most everybody has booths now. So it's I like know, but, it, it's but, like but you're setting still, it off of everybody. But, but they still keeping the, 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 your, keeping capacity the amount now. of people down. Right. Because they can't have people spread all out right. too close, even with a partition. Correct. Now, a partition ain't nothing but a bowl. You're in a bowl. You ever see that TV show, that, that movie back in the day with John Travolta was in it? They called the boy in a plastic bubble. I did, I did. Yeah, the boy in the oh, bubble. Oh man, I just love that damn show. That was a good movie right there. Come on, yeah. man, Shannon. I, I just love that one. And, and remember the other ones, the other show? They all came out the same era. We had the mm -hmm. after school specials back then. I only remember the after school special on ABC and right. all the good shows. Remember they had the boy, uh, what was his name? Oh, oh, it was called James at, at 16. Remember that? Mm -hmm. The boy with peeing in bed every day. 
Remember? <laughs> and then his mama would take a sheet. She was a mean lady. She would take a yeah. sheet and hang his sheet out the window for all the kids could see it. So everybody could see it embarrassing. So, so James, James would run home from school every day to beat the kids home so he could pull a sheet in the window. That boy ran every day for a whole year and became a track star. <laughs> Shannon, the boy became a track star, man, running from school every day to beat his mama for putting that damn, that damn uh, piece thing, that damn sheet out the window. Shannon, come on, man. You don't never, you never know where your athletic ability gonna come from. Yeah, you so it, you're exactly right. Smooth, the last six, seven months, obviously everybody's been, in this pandemic's been going on, you've been quarantined. What have you been most appreciative of? What have you been most thankful for? Oh, oh, I've been really thankful for my wife, man, because I, I feel like, you know, a lot of people tell you, you really have to have a true friendship with your companion, with your wife, you know, uh, whoever you're quarantined with. You know, you got to still look for growth. You got to still look for all the things that uh, that that you loved about seeing. Well, my wife and I knew, we, we, she calls me her husband. A husband is half boyfriend, half husband. Mm-hmm. So that way you keep it fresh. And, right. and my, hey, I'm gonna tell you something, Shannon. My wife changed her hairstyle like four times a month. See, so I don't been with everybody. I, so, I, that, I, so, I you, so you got a different woman. You got a different woman. I did all the girls, man. <laughs> four four times, Shannon. I'm telling you, four times, four times a month, a new hairdo, man. Come what? home, come home to somebody different. I be like, oh, <laughs> what the hell are you doing in my house? You know like, I mean? uh-oh. I, 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 hey, baby. Oh, I know. Look at you, girl. You know what I mean? <laughs> that keep it spicy. Keep it spicy, right. man. Change that hairstyle once in a while. Keep things interesting. Yeah, well, you you find you learn a lot because I think yeah. most couples, if you if you're married and you work, they go to work, come home. You go to work, come home. There's an yeah. eight nine hour gap between. But when everybody's quarantined, there is no gap. It's twenty four hours. So it's you gonna have to find a way to go about your day. And not get on your get on their nerves, and they don't want to get on your nerves because I can imagine being around mm-hmm. someone twenty four hours a day. You know what? Hey, I like my coworkers. Not twenty four hours. I might like really like someone, but twenty four hours is asking a bit much. Twenty four hours, man. Hey, it, it, it's people in jail who, who <laughs> at some point they don't get tired of that top bunk. Exactly. They, they, they know what? I'm, I'm about tired of this top bunk. I right. want to go down there. Can we right. work something out? Maybe right. we'll split the difference. You know, maybe happy year, you get the bottom bunk. Happy year, I get the bottom bunk. Oh, right. you got to work things out. But when you, are you right? When you're in a home together and you still got to make things happen, you still got, you still got so many things uh, to be b- blessed with and thankful for. Because, you know, uh, in this climate, people are losing their businesses. Yes. Losing their, fam- losing their families. Right. So many things come into play that you have to be, uh, uh, you know, have a compassion for and understand and 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 feel it every night. Every night before we eat our meal, we pray for those who do not have and right. pray for those who, you know, who have enough to to progress and make that more right. and, and be able to sustain themselves in this climate because I know. And, you know, we as comedians, the stand-up guys, we uh, there are comedians who are my friends who only do stand-up. So when this all started happening, since comedians are the ones who brighten your day and give you laughter to get you through your day or through your year, and we have a way to connect and, and make things relatable and take the, the the weight of the world and things that go on, take it and we reprocess it and give it to you in a funnier form so you can deal with stuff. I 
immediately thought about, wow, you know, I wonder what they're doing since we give a piece of ourselves every time right. we hit that stage, you know, we take our all our things that happen ever happen to us and we take that and we shape it and we make it relatable for you to understand. But at the same time, a lot of people in the audience are going through the same thing that we grew up with or things that we've been through. So we have to put that to the side and still go on that stage and make people laugh and enjoy themselves. Right. I thought about those guys because I know those guys, you know, a lot of my friends don't have that. You know, I've been blessed to be, I've really been 30 years in the game. I have been so blessed to be able to touch different areas. I've been able to do commercials, TV, film, uh, write, you know, uh, everything that I've ever done. I have been able to use that at my disposal, use that in a, in a, in a way to give other guys work, use that in a way to, um, to still spread the word of laughter and find some way to make all this we're going through make sense. So we we still do that. I thought about those guys who only had that one one revenue right. coming right. in to their homes, you know. And I know that their bread and butter was the road, going on the road, making people laugh. So I think about those guys, and I think about what they've given already uh, to their audience and to their fans. Um, but I'm 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 pretty lucky to be able to be in a position where I can uh, help these guys get work and spread. You know, if I find out something. That's out there. I'll call a buddy and say, "Hey, man, I know someone's auditioning for something. Maybe you should go out and read for it or talk to this guy." You know. And right now, of course, everything is not person in, in person anymore. But they're finding a way to make it work and keep everybody yeah. safe. That's the that's the biggest key. And I t I tell people all the time, uh, you know, if you go back and study history, mm -hmm. the greatest key for survival is not speed, it's not strength, it's not size, it's not mm -hmm. IQ, it's adaptability. You have yeah. to be able to adapt. Okay, well, this is what I normally only would do. But okay, in order for survive, instead of just doing stand-up, you might have to do a take a TV. You might have to do sitcom. You might have to yep. do other things to generate a source of revenue. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like yep. an animal. Okay, if, if an animal only eats fish and the stream drives up, he's going to find another way to survive or he, he will die. So yep. your guys, and for you to put them on like that, that's what I love to hear. I love someone that's fortunate. To be, that's willing to help someone that's less fortunate because sometimes we get in a situation. Well, I'm doing good, okay. I'm straight over here, oh, and you see yeah. that, especially in today's society, smooth. You yeah, see you a lot of people that are like that. Well, I'm doing good. That ain't me. Well, you got to have empathy. You got to have sympathy. You got to have compassion for your fellow you man, and then it will come back to you tenfold. It will come back to you tenfold, man. And I'm t I tell people all the time, man. I, I am, you know, I, I don't want to be. I'm just a more open individual. Um, you know, my wife, we, we, we go RVing. We have these RV parties. I think I might have invited you to a few of the RV parties at the beach, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a few years ago. Uh, we do that kind of stuff, man. We, we love to entertain. We have a huge... Oh, you came to our, uh, our uh, New Year's parties before? You, 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 the entertaining kid. I don't know who, uh, I mean, you, the uh, new Dick Clark, you have New Year's ah. parties and... I mean, you might as well put yours on TV. Hey, I'm going to tell you, though. I'm going to tell you something. My last, our, our 2019 party was so damn crazy. I mean, it was, it was, it was amazing. Just, just now. We just had it in January. It was yes. sick. And I'm going to tell you something crazy. 2019 wasn't the greatest. We sat there, man. We was like, everybody at the, at, I said everybody went, went, when this when we go into 2020, I would everybody and say, "Boy, 2019, get out my face!" Because 2019 was bad. 2019 was bad. Yeah. But who would know that 2020 would 
take 2019, fold it up in a little piece of paper, and put 2019 in their mouth and eat it. You know what I mean? Yeah, 2019, as bad as 2019 was, 2020 has taken 2019 and drop kicked it. You know what I mean? Just drop, <laughs> like, just drop kicked it, like, huh? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. So we're gonna look back. We're gonna look like back twenty years from now. Maybe even not even twenty years. Maybe even ten years. We're gonna look back, and when something goes bad, we're gonna be like, "Man, that was so 2020." And you're gonna be so like, <laughs> "Yeah, you're right. That, that yeah, is you're right. Yeah, 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 was." <laughs> smooth, let me smooth. You've done a lot of. You've done a lot of movies. You've done Barbershop, Pootie Tang, Curb Your Enthusiasm. I mean, TV shows, monsters. Uh, uh, you've done animations. Yeah, can you tell us the difference between preparing for a movie role as far as a TV, uh, a sitcom? Oh yeah, uh, I'll tell you the difference. See, um, film, film, film is like this. Film is the to me. I just love movies so much. Mm -hmm. I feel like with a movie, certain some things you have time to develop things, and sometimes you don't have time to develop things. A film is kind of what it is. Unless you get, I've been blessed to get directors who have allowed me to, and that that goes across the board, TV and film. Who have blessed, I've been blessed to be able to, and that's what I mean by planting those seeds. That's what I mean by planting those seeds, Shannon. You mm -hmm. plant enough seeds that when people do call you, they ain't wasting your time. They're right. calling you for something very specific. Specific. They know, they know you are a good tight end. They calling you, they ain't gonna trade trade for you. And they know you a damn tight end. And then right. when you do something totally different, I want you to throw right. the ball downfield. You know what I mean? Throw, mm -hmm. the, throw the ball to yourself. You know right. what I mean? I don't know. But that is the reason I, I love film so much. But in film, you really don't have time to develop a character. You know right. what I mean? You, you, you don't have time for those nuances because that script is written, you know, for what it is. That script leads to other characters. It, it, right. it defines, it determines so much yeah, you gotta you gotta tell a story from A to B. Okay. In a in a in a TV show, let's just say you get a TV show and y'all got 21 episodes. Right. right? And that, that's only 21 episodes. If you get renewed, you get another 20-something episodes. Right. And you keep on going, keep on going. If you want so you get the so in other words, in TV, you get the not only do you get to develop, you get to build on the character. As a you movie, you're shooting that, you, you take three months, six months, and that character is done. This can yep. even in, in TV, you get an opportunity to evolve the character. You get an opportunity to evolve the character, you know, and that, and, and then you have the inner workings, which is different. You have, you have multi-cam, you got single cam, you right. got shows like Kirby Enthusiasm that I'm on where there is no script. We just have an outline, seven, eight page outline, right. and we make our own, we make our own, we create our own dialogue, we improvise them. Right. Which is a whole nother lane. So now, it, it depends what it is. Like network TV is different. The streaming services are different. And I love, I personally love movies. You know, when I was on in Spider Man, when I was in Almost Christmas and Barbershop, I freaking loved it. Right. But that took that also took me having a director who uh, brought me brought me in. You know, because he knew that I would take a character and make it my own. And they allow me to have fun and elaborate with the character and make it fun. So that they gotta give you a little a little rope. They gotta give you a little rope and let you have fun, and let you let you are, do your scenes. So do they let you are you are you able to ad lib more in a movie than TV or vice versa? 
It depends what the what the project is. Now okay. I got now they let me get nice. They, they let me go in barbershop. They let me go in 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 almost Christmas. They let me go a little bit in Spider Man. So they know that I'm coming. I'm coming from the improv world already, right. and they know exactly what I do. So they're gonna they're gonna naturally let me. They don't want me to come on stage and be a, a robot on set. Right. They want Correct. me to do go do JB. You know, we brought, we got you in the movie because we want you to we want you to go. Yeah. But that but that also expands the writing. You know, for the writers, if they know you coming in, they're gonna say, "Oh, let's let's just give him a framework." And I know JB gonna take it, and he gonna start to get wordy. He gonna have fun with it. He gonna make it what it is. Right. You know, all that all that stuff in barbershop, playing around, me and said going back and forth, joking around in that barbershop. That's all like some of that stuff. We just came up off the top of our head with that, and that's what a lot of us on the set. Because you know, when when you're comedians, they gonna let you elaborate and let you improvise and have fun. Now, but that's not saying it's not that's not saying it's easier. Right. But now. Curb enthusiasm, take that. Some people, some people don't as amazing as they are, they can't improvise as well. Right. They they rather have that's you, a gift. Give me what, yeah. That like, is a give, gift. Me, give me what I'm gonna say, and I'm gonna give you exactly what you want. Right. Right. Now, <clears throat> but that does not say it doesn't come with making decisions. Right. Like when I'm working, when I'm working with Larry, I gotta sit there and say, you know, since there is no full script. I gotta sit there and say, I gotta make a decision in the moment. Am I gonna have Larry back in this scene or do I wanna go against him? Right. And that that and I gotta think about how many laughs am I gonna get out of having his back and going along with him with this craziness, or how much mileage I'm gonna get out of going against him. Right. You know what I mean? Say right. you're wrong, Larry. You're wrong or you're right, you know? So I gotta sit there and try to think how how I can make this work and get the most funny out of it. Right. And at the same and at the same time, I'm also, you know, I make it a point since it is improv and since my character doesn't have any origin, they don't know where the hell my my character really came from. I just <laughs> keep giving him I keep giving him something new that he didn't know about my character every time we go on camera. I try right. to give him something new he didn't know about Leon. You know what I mean? So I say I still say that. TV gives you more of a chance to expand the character because you get more, you get more at bats. Right. You, you, get, you get more at bats. Right. In a movie, when they say cut, moving on, you can't go back and say, God dang it, I wanted to say this so bad. Right. right. <laughs> so, okay, you got we got movie, we got TV, and then we have animation. So yeah. obviously, animation, you're in a film studio. I mean, you're in a studio, you're in a booth. There's nobody else around. Because let me tell people the story. On American Ooh. Dad, when they did American Dad, they were going to actually have you to do me. I was going to, I was ah. originally scheduled, and you were ah. going to do me. And then they called because there's like because no one knew who I they they knew me, but they didn't know yeah. if I would actually do the do the voiceover. So what oh. they called me, I was like, well, if I don't do it, who are you going to have to do the voiceover for me? They said J uh, uh, J B Smooth, and so I, at the time I didn't really know who you were because that was <laughs> that was probably like over a decade ago. So I Googled you. Yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> then I pulled up some of your stuff. I was like, okay, he could definitely do it. I said, but I can't pass up this opportunity. Oh, yeah, I, I, love, I love voiceover work because you can really get animated because oh, no one God. sees you in the booth. And so you can make your voice rise. You can make it fall. Yeah. You can have a cadence. It is, I love, yes. I love that. Yes. I, and you strike me as a guy that loves that also. No, I, when I tell you, I've, 
one day, uh, well, I was, like, I was doing a radio show, and sometimes the radio guys they'll they'll pull your IMDb up, right? And and, and the guys just ran down some stuff that I totally forgot I did. I totally right. forgot. But and the animated world is so fun, you know. Uh, of course, I've done the Black Dynamite stuff. Mm-hmm. I've done American Dad. You know, I've done The Simpsons. I've done Smurfs. I've done. I'm in the Harley Quinn series right now. Uh, with the Harley Quinn animated right. series, Monster University, um, Monsters. Man, I done did. It, I done did so much that I I get in there and I visualize. Like when I'm in the booth, I just close my eyes and I just visualize what I need to do. And like you said, the cadence and all those things. You you gotta be in that booth. You gotta really embody that animated character because right. you gotta bring him to life. Correct. And you gotta bring. You gotta have all those emotions, all those things going on. Yes. You you gotta hit it, hit it, hit it, because that determines the next person. And this, now I have been in rooms when I was doing um, Ninja Turtles. Okay. I did Ninja Turtles. I played Bebop in Ninja Turtles. Right. Um, the, the animated show on Nickelodeon. Now that right there, sometimes we'll be in the same room together. Okay. My, okay. Myself and Rocksteady will be in the same room together, but a lot of times. Yes, yeah, just you by yourself in the script. Seventy-five percent of the time, I'm by myself, so right. I gotta still, I gotta still match the energy, right? As if, as if he was there. Correct. And, and you're, and you're right. You gotta, you have to hit the emotions, the cadence. You gotta hit all these little things that that that's gonna bring that character, the animated character, to right. life. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury, with a reveal unlike any other, as Infinity presents. A new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With- Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other, as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. 
Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Without someone being around, because you know when you're shooting a live, when you're shooting a live movie scene, you got the other character, you got someone to play off of. It's yeah. like, you know, you playing with a team, that's one thing. But then you yeah. got playing one-on-one, but you playing by yourself. It ain't no nobody to yeah. defend you. It's no one. It's really no one to play <laughs> off of. It's kind of like when you. It's kind of like them damn chickens. Boy, if we, you're down by the one point or two points, and that goddamn chicken walk out there. Nobody look at him. Nobody no. talk to him. Nobody do nothing. He gotta. He gotta get his own energy up, and he gotta. He gotta sit to himself yes. and figure a way. Hey, he gotta see that ball already went through. He gotta pretend the ball already went through already. Right. He gotta pretend that this already happened already. Right. I I took a step back in time. I already kicked this thing already. We already won the game. I'm, I'm my physical body is already in the locker room. I'm right. already in the shower. <laughs> this game been over. <laughs> so Lamar, do you remember what's one of your most remember uh, memorable auditions? Ooh, the the one the one I think about the most is uh, matter of fact, I just posted. Myself uh, in, in being um, in an audition with Larry, okay. so that was my first time meeting Larry uh, in that audition I posted. And I tell you, I tell you, I'll tell you a little bit uh, a backstory on it. So I was at SNL working at SNL three seasons. Uh, my fourth season, I didn't get renewed, so uh, I was free as a bird. So the time I didn't get on uh, my my fourth season on SNL. To the time when I walked in the room for audition with Larry for Curb, you talking about maybe two months, maybe two months. Okay. So I had already, I had already didn't get renewed. I had already fired my old agent. Fired. I got rid of everybody. Every, every damn body was gone because I, you know, I just wanted to clean slate and and just see what I can do. I'm not behind the camera anymore writing on SNL. Now I'm back in front of stuff. So let me get my butt out there. Came to, my wife had already told me I was going to be on SNL. She already said, "You're going. I can see you and Larry together. I don't know what it is, but I see it. You always say crazy stuff, and Larry say crazy stuff. And I can see y'all working together one day. Mm-hmm. And long, and then all of a sudden, <clears throat> I was on the road in Atlanta, and I got a phone call that one of my buddies had passed away. Um, OG, I know you. I'm sure you probably know OG. OG Pierce. He uh, he produced the song. This is how we do it." Michael yeah. Jordan, yep. he produced that song. That's how I do it. This is how I do. It's how you know. This is right. how we do it. Um, so I came to LA for one day, one day to pay my respects for him. They had a memorial service for. Him. I met him when I was doing Cedric the Entertainer Presents sketch show for Cedric. Right. I met, he was the music guy on that show, so I met him there. We became good friends. You know, he's a producer. My wife sings, so everything kind of worked out. And I heard that he had passed. One of his friends had called me because my phone had rang. My phone rang and I saw his name up there. I'm, I'm in Atlanta in the hotel room, like, right. I do my show. 
I'm about to do my show. I just came from my show, matter of fact. And my phone rang. I saw OG on my phone. I said, oh. Answered the phone. And, a, and, a, and a, a woman was on the phone. And she said, hey, JB, this is a friend of OG's. But I wanted to call you let you know OG passed. And I'm like, oh, man. You know? So I said, I, I said, oh, man, my buddy. You know? So I came to LA for that one day. And yeah, and I had just signed with a new agent in New York who also had an office in LA. So I get in. I said, you know what, while I'm in town for one day, you know, the memorial service is tonight. So I got here early. I said, I'm going to go say hi to my new agent. I go in there and say hi to my new agent to meet them. And then an agent comes in late and says, hey, man, uh, how long are you in town? I said, I leave tomorrow. I only came in for one day because my buddy passed away. And they said, oh, I'm going to, uh, I got an audition here. Uh, I said, uh, I said, what's it for? And he said, Kirby Enthusiasm. So I was like, wow. Yeah, immediately I thought, I said, damn, that's crazy. I said, I'm only in town for one day because my buddy passed away. My wife told me I was going to be on Kirby Enthusiasm one day. SNL didn't resign me for my fourth season. So if any one of those three things had not happened, I would have never been on Kirby Enthusiasm. Right. But one, if I got, if I got renewed, I would have been sitting behind a desk still typing jokes on SNL. Right. My wife told me I was going to be on the show. If my buddy didn't pass away, you would have been in LA. Pass, even if he didn't pass away that, 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 those few days earlier, you know what I mean? I still right. wouldn't have been in town. You know what I mean? I, right. I still wouldn't have been here. And then um, I came in town. That was part of my, you know, because I'm making the point. Here's what I do at auditions. I don't tell everybody to do this, but don't be afraid to try this for all these young actors out there. I always walk into the room as the character. I, I don't, I feel, I feel like I gotta, it's like starting a car on a cold day. If you walk in there, you walk outside your car cold, like I'm not talking about the new car. The new car's got the <laughs> the, the fuel injection and all that stuff. I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about, Shannon. The kind of cool. car you gotta you gotta pump the gas a little bit. Pump the gas. Yeah. You gotta your fuel fuel over there <laughs> yeah. when you throw that key. <laughs> so uh you know, I don't like pumping the gas when I walk into the room. I don't like introduce myself and then all of a sudden I got to turn on the character. Right. It's a weird transition. You know right. what I mean? You're I already like in walk, character. Man, I like to be that dude. In the, I like to be that dude when I'm sitting down waiting to go in. So by the time I walk in, I'm already, I'm all, I walk in the room as my character already. I'm ready to go. Right. I say shit. I say stuff that the character would say immediately. I jump, I just jump right in it. You know what I mean? I make, I like to control, I like to drive the car. I'm, right. not, I'm a terrible, I'm not a good passenger. I like to drive. I like to right. drive the car a little bit. You know, let me drive a little bit. I'll let you drive, but I tell you, I tell you when I, you know what, I'll get out the car and walk on the other side and get in the passenger side. You slide over. Smooth, you so, mentioned, go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't cut you off, but you mentioned oh. SNL. Is it every comedian's dream to be on SNL? to write, be in front of the camera, because it's launched a lot of people's career. And it seems to yeah. me that's one of the launching points for, yeah. for greater success. Now, it's, and from what I've heard, it's not easy to be no. on there for a length of time. I mean, anybody can do it for a year, but to do it year after year and then walk away on your terms. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's definitely not easy and, you know, and when you're writing on, when you're writing those sketches every week, you know what it's like? Here's what it's like. It's like trying out for the cheerleading team 
every damn week. Right. You know how, you know how they you remember how they would put, you know, uh, a list of who made the team on a yes. piece of paper and yep. they stick it to the wall. Yep. And you gotta go up there, everybody's crowded around trying to see if you made trying it. Trying to see your name. You're trying Ooh. to look for your name. Okay, okay, <laughs> where where the answers? Hey, you're hoping it's not in alphabetical order. You're like, maybe it's not in alphabetical order. I don't see my name yet. You know what right, I mean? Right, right. <laughs> you try to find your name, like, oh man. And it's like every week when you submit those jokes, those scripts. And you pray you get it, you pray you get one picked. And man, I'm gonna tell you something. I got, I probably can count on one hand how many in three years, how many I got picked up. But ain't gonna never forget my ass around that one. I'll tell you that much. I mean, I'm, I always make a present. You know what I mean? You ain't gonna never say JB ain't work hard. You ain't gonna never say JB ain't show up for me. You ain't gonna never say, you know, because when I got there, I had to, I had to like do my New York. I had to do my New York hustle. Right. I, I was writing on the show. I did warm up on the show for two years, two seasons. I did. Uh, uh, I was in sketches all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, right? They put me in monologues all the time at the opening of the show. So that's a writer. I, that's three jobs already as a writer. Number four, I had four jobs. So Conan O'Brien was still at NBC at that time. Conan O'Brien found out I was working upstairs as a writer, and we had worked together before. He called, I did Conan O'Brien 11 damn times probably while I was working as a writer upstairs. He would call Lauren Michaels and say, hey, can we borrow JB for a sketch? And they, I would get, he said, he'll call my office and say, hey, JB, we got a Conan call. He wanted to know if you wanted to come downstairs and uh, do a sketch. Go down there, do the sketch, come back up and finish, a, finish writing. I said, all right, cool. I get in the elevator, go down there. I do a damn sketch with Conan and go back upstairs, get behind the computer, keep working. So right. I was blessed. I was blessed. That's, and, and, and Shannon, that's four checks. Right. That's four separate checks. Four. They got to pay you for doing every last one of those four things. So I was saying, man. So, 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 it, so it's not like TV. It's not like really TV now. Like, okay, I, okay, you pay me to do this show, but if I feel it, I do somebody else's show, that's for free. If I do somebody else's radio gig, that's for free. And if I do something else, that's for free too. You get four checks, four different jobs. <laughs> Hey, you get paid for each individual thing you do. Everything you do. I'm, hey, they, they call me a la carte, goddammit. They call me a la carte. <laughs> Smooth, when, I'm looking at your resume, Smooth. I look at some of the people you, comedians, Chris Rock, Kevin Hart, Adam Sandler, as you mentioned, Larry David, Sandy Entertainer, Tracy Morgan, Jerry Seinfeld, Marlon Wayans, Whoopi Goldberg. When you guys look like, when you guys get together, is it is it joke telling all the time, part of the time, none of the time? I'm gonna tell you something. Each one of those names you mentioned, every last person you just said shows up who you think they are. They <laughs> show up as who you think, who you know them to be. Right. That's how they show the hell up. And that's what makes that's what makes every last one of those people you name so unique. It's like everyone brings something to the table. And you get, like, let's take the movie uh, Top Five. That right. Chris, that Chris Rock did. Yes, man, yes. He had every, man, he had everybody in that damn movie. Let me tell you something, man. You show up and set, everybody is exactly who the hell you, you want them to be. You know, there's one thing about, there's one thing about, um, and when we're when we, when we at that level, if you meet someone bigger than you, Right, like someone up there. Yes. You want them. You want them to be who you hope they are. 
Right. The, the worst thing for a person, the worst thing for a person to meet their heroes or meet someone and they ain't who they thought they were. They're like, nothing like you damn. expected them to be. Oh, man, you'd be like, God damn, man. And they break <laughs> your heart, man. They break your heart to the point you're like, God damn, I didn't, wanna, I didn't want that to happen. I thought they were somebody else, man. Right. But blessing, but bless that Chris pulled together some amazing uh, comedians and man, it's flawless. And and he allowed everyone to do them. That's the key to an actor, that's a key to a comedian, is for you to get these opportunities that they allow you to do you and bring and let you do exactly what they bring you on the project to do. You know, and they've been and that's how that's a good director. That's a good showrunner. That's a good producer. That is what you need at your disposal to make whatever you're writing come to life. Because I always think about it like this. You know, I always try to show up and always try to make, I question the director, I question the producers. What exactly do you need from me? Right. What exactly do you need from me? You know what I mean? And I need to know that clearly so I don't step on no toes, so I don't burn no bridges. Is this is this his scene or am I a part of the scene? Am I am I under, am I pitching him? Right. Am I fastballing him? What am I doing in this scene? You know, so that I don't mess up whatever you however you envision this scene. I want to know so I don't I don't mess up whatever you need out of it because that's their you know yeah realize you need producers you need directors that's their thing that's their dream they always wanted to be that. Right. And, and and the only way they're gonna get that is you give them what they are looking for, you know. Right. And 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 why why and why show up, you know, uh, and half ass something that's theirs, that's their thing, their dream. You know what I mean? Their job is to make you look good, and your job is to make sure that you give them the tools to make you look good. So it, it's gotta work like that, and and that's how that's the only way, you know. And, and, and those opportunities, sometimes you don't get that many swings at the ball. Right. You don't get that many, you don't get that many right. swings. Now, blessings have come a, 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 a upon us that we, we've been getting more, as far as black people, we, we've been getting more opportunities now to, to be on camera and, and also have our own shows and stuff. So that's a blessing, you know. But sometimes, I remember back in the days, shit, man. I know a few of my buddies who had deals and shit. Sometimes you get one. Sometimes you get one shot. One shot. You get one. You get one shot. I know people who got shows, and them shows lasted two episodes. You know, you're like, God dang it, two episodes, man. That's not you enough show, to showcase. Else, yeah, they'll, they'll pull a damn repeat in, in your slot at 8 p.m. You're like, God dang it, <laughs> put a whole show on it. Smooth, you got one of your big stars. I believe your first star on Dev Comedy Jam, which was probably yeah. responsible for launching more black comedians career than probably any other, you know, from the D.L. Hughley's to the Bernie Macs, so the Bruce Bruce's, yeah. some of the great comedians who have gone on to not just do stand-up, but to do television shows, to be in movies, to become leads. How instrumental was Def Comedy Jam for you and other black comedians? Men and oh, women. Def oh, men and women. Def Comedy Jam was the, you know, Here's another thing uh, I let people know all the time is that Def Comedy Jam was amazing, but it's kind of like this. It's kind of like we have all these. <clears throat> there's so there was so much going on 
that no one knew about, you know, in the comedy world, in right. the black comedy world. Cause you know, being from New York, we had this spot called the Uptown Comedy Club. Right. Which is right in, right in Harlem on 125th Street. Uh, and um, let me tell you something, man. That place, oh my God, man. That was even before Dub Comedy Jam. Right. Before BET Comedy View. Mm-hmm. Before all that. But right. You, you, you are going to have these pockets of these pockets of comedy clubs or nightclubs that had a comedy night. We had, man, we would be busy. Let me tell you something. We worked like every every night in New York because it was a metropolitan area. You could be in Connecticut, Queens, Brooklyn, the Bronx, Westchester. You could be in Jersey. That's six different boroughs that you could easily be in. And you could probably do, if you hustle, you got a nice a car that runs, you could probably do two or three a night. If you really want, if you really got the hustle. Right. And this is before Def Comedy Jam, before BET, before any of these shows. You're talking about, D, it, you had to have a, something had to light it. You know what right. I mean? Something had to light that fuse. It was a slow burn, but by the time, you know, uh, the explosion of black comedy hit, hit its plateau, the Def Comedy Jams, the BET comic views, they, you gotta realize, you can't have all those comedians. You're talking about a lot of damn comedians. Yes, yes. A lot oh, of damn yeah. comedians did comedy then. They had to come from somewhere. You right. know what I mean? <laughs> they had to come from somewhere. And you're talking about every major city in the United States had these funny, unique comedians all around the country that Def Comedy Jam could grab and say, hey, we got a platform for you. This is going to be perfect for everybody. Everybody's going to be able to shine. And do their thing, man. We got Martin Lawrence hosting it. See, right. I got, I got, I got blessed, man. I was on the second taping of the first season. I was so happy, man, to be able to get on that show. And I'll tell you something, that audition process wasn't no joke. And you talking about back then, man? You talking about you talking about cats fighting for positions? Let me tell you something, man. <laughs> that thing became it became. I'm telling you something, man. It's kind of like fighting for a, for your for a, a roster spot you got on the three team. Three other tight ends, yeah. three other damn tight ends on, on, on your team, and they all good. And you're like, right. God damn, what can I do different? Right. Outside of knocking one of these dudes out <laughs> with, <laughs> with a damn <laughs> in practice, how can I make it sure? I got. I, right. I just gotta be unique enough. I gotta have that intangible that is gonna bring something to the show. Cause my, my thing has always been make the show amazing. Right. I never think about myself as an individual because it's really a, not about us. It's about, you know, when you're doing a stage show or you're doing a stand-up, it's really about the audience enjoying their money's worth and having right. a good time. It's, I never make it about myself. You know, hell, I, I never make it, I'm not, I'm not make it about, I'm, I never make it about myself to the point where she, I have had nights when shit just went wrong. Right. It went wrong. It went wrong. It went wrong. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a stumble. But I, I, I'm the first to um, to claim, you know, and learn from everything. So these, that Def Comedy Jam was a platform, a springboard for everybody, man. It became, it became the one show you wanted to get on. It and was. You would, you would do anything to get on that damn show. And you, you wanted, wanted to watch it too. 
You want to watch it? Hey, you know how many times Def Con Dev would come on, man, and I, and I was supposed to go out? Man, we would sit there, right, start getting dressed to go to the club, but we would make sure we slow down a little bit so we could watch Def Comedy Jam while we're getting dressed to go right. to the club. And we waited until it went off, and then we go out and get in the car and go to the club. But we had to see Def Comedy Jam. But it, it propelled everybody. You think yes. of everybody you named, it propelled everybody. And it was like, I cannot explain how amazing that time period was that finally we had this, this, this place we could go to and we can all express our style, all express our humor, and right. we all had this unique opportunity. And I, I, think, uh, I think Russell Simmons and, and Def, Def Jam and Martin and everybody who was a part of that because that is really is that is the fuse is the is the fuse that was lit to propel all these amazing people you see today, man. There is there is a class of deaf comedy jam. There is a a unique class of comedians. You know, they should. I mean, they, we've had a reunion and we we've had a, a a tribute show and that kind of stuff. But man, it's just amazing at the at how. That that show made a lot of comedians. Bob Sumner also an amazing. He he's he ran all the all those um all those auditions. Man, Bob was a big part of that. Man, he's a big part of it. He got all those comedians on board. Right. When you look at comedians, do most comedians? Okay, you do. You start out doing stand up, but do most comedians? All comedians? How? What percentage do you think says you know what? I want to graduate to TV. I want to graduate to movies is that or just some people just like you know stand up my gig i want to do stand up because it was like once yeah. eddie once eddie was eddie eddie murphy obviously i'm talking about eddie murphy <laughs> once he graduated from stand up and started doing did uh, you know movies yeah i think he's going to do another netflix special but he went totally away you see jerry seinfeld he had a tv he went back a lot of people kevin hart does yeah, movies yeah. he comes back yeah. chris rock did movies comes back is it yeah. is it that you okay? Once you do, you always want to come back because you know some guys come back, some guys don't. Uh, let me say something. Stand up. If you stand up, will always be the bread and butter of any comic. It's okay. just what it is. Here's what the benefit you get out of doing stand up is TV. You do shoot TV on TV. You gotta shoot stuff. You gotta shoot stuff. They gotta package it. They gotta put. It be post. They gotta air it. Movies. You gotta shoot the movie. You gotta be on. Okay. You gotta do all this stuff. You gotta do all this mess when it comes to movies. 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 Sometimes you won't see a movie. Shit. Eight, nine, sometime a year. By the time right. you see that damn movie, and I'm gonna tell you something. Even as an actor, a lot of times you grow in those eight, nine months. Right. Majority, a majority of the time, you don't like the movie because you sit there like, damn, I could have done that better. I'm a better actor a year later than I was when I shot that damn movie. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So, we, so you have to, yeah, and, and then there are comedians who are totally satisfied with being stand-ups and could care less about movies and TV. Here's the thing you get out of doing stand-up. Stand-up that's why I compare it to TV and film. You might not see that movie for a year. TV, you got to do all that work, shoot all these damn episodes. You know, by the time people see it, da-da-da. Stand-up, 
you get a chance to be in the moment. It's instantaneous. You walk on that damn stage, you can perform, you got people laughing their ass off, they can touch you after the show, you can hug them, they can, they can tell you, oh, I needed that so much, thank you so much, I needed that laugh. In the moment, you can get in your car, you can go home, you can drive home like, damn, that was, that, that was a good show. You feel it on your skin in the right. moment. There is, you, it, it's there. That just happened. You in the moment, you felt it, they felt it, it was a great time. They talking about you right now while you driving home. They driving home talking about you because they had a good time. TV film, man, you can tell people all you want. Man, what you see this movie coming out? When it coming out? <laughs> oh man, about nine months. About nine months, man, but it's good, it's good. <laughs> right. So, and, and that's why people thirst. They, they, they thirst to get back. They want that immediate. They want, they want that instant gratification. Yeah, they, they want, want that, that. that instant, that's that instant rush. It's not they a slow want, that I'm going to get yeah. that in nine months or a year. I'm Ooh. getting that right now. I'm getting that, that euphoria. I'm getting that high yeah. right now. Oh, man, you got it right there, man. You got that right in the moment, man. It's like, oh, man, we all were there. In this timeline, we were there. We did it. You know right. what I mean? The show was great. All of us, all the whole show was good. Look at it. Everybody did great tonight. The crowd had a good time. Ooh, it works. It works, man. If give me your give me your Mount Rushmore of comedians. Ooh, man. And you know there's only four oh. Mount, Mount, Mount Rushmore. So we can't four, do no ad, we can't do no ties. We only got four uh, move. We only got four uh, slots. Uh, now are you basing it on here's why here's why I ask you. Are you basing it on impact in my life? Or are you basing it on, you know how, even in top five, everybody had their different opinion right. of who the best rappers were, the best, right. the be who the best hip hop could, right. could do it. Everybody right. had an opinion because right. you gotta go by what touches you. And if I, base, if I base it on, see, I'm inspired by so many different things. You base I, I it on whatever you want your criteria Ooh. to be. I wanna know what smooths Top, I want to know smooth Mount Rushmore comedian. So you basically have you want impact who have me laughing, whatever the case may be. See, I'm like I'm like Mike Tyson. See, here's here's, here's what I say. Styles make fights for me. Right. You ask Mike Tyson about boxing, he's gonna break down why, and he's gonna give you all the little nuances of what the sweet science is all about. Right. Right. You know, there's guys who lost fights to me, who I still consider the greatest. Right. Some of the greatest boxers to me. Right. You know, even, though they, even though they lost, they ain't undefeated. But they lost, but they right. still get classified as the greatest. So here's what I would say. <laughs> Damn, this, this is hard. I'm, hey, I'm, I know it's I'm hard. A, I'm a fight fan. See, I'm a fight fan. I'm okay. a fight fan. You know what I mean? I can only go by what inspired me and my movement, you know okay. what I mean? And, and you, this comes from a guy who was inspired by music, who was inspired by comedy, who was inspired by anything and everything, birds. I'm inspired by everything you could think of. Okay. Outdoors, I'm inspired by personalities, by people. So, uh, science, the stars, astrology. Oh, so I say this, prior. Okay, he would be on mine. He'll be on mine, prior. Man, see, in my in my book, four is hard. Damn it, man. Prior, 
Murphy. I gotta go, you, Murphy. You be mine. Now this this is a hard one. People gotta understand this one. I I I was inspired by Bill Cosby. Okay. But here's why here's why here's why I tell people as a as a asterisk on it. You cannot if everybody had to give back the inspiration they got from somebody because that person didn't live up to it or something happened was where flawed. they got heavily flawed flawed right if that person was flawed now think about this if you had to give all that back you know what it does to you it drops you down because right. something about them inspired you in that moment right in your upbringing in your okay. career that helped you propel you to grab that microphone and start opening your mouth and, and they say 50% of the job is grabbing the microphone. Right. Just like you guys, you, you put a uniform on, you got to have the guts to put that uniform on and walk right. on that field. Yes. Before that, before that kickoff, you got, you already halfway there. You already here. You showed right. up. Now you got another 50% to do to win this damn game and put somebody on the ass or whatever. Right. So I say those three, right? Are, mm -hmm. Now, this is a hard one because I love me some Fox. I love me some Red Fox, man. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Red Fox is to me, woo, that that particular style, right? Is hilarious. He had the party albums, all the good stuff. Right. I'm gonna tell you another guy, but it's hard because he's too close to my age. Right. Chris Rock, his he had a run of four specials. And I, I dare you to put them in order to the best of each one. Those specials that Chris Rock did, mm -hmm. he that rapid fire Chris Rock, when he right. on a roll and he's banging that microphone and walking back and forth across that stage. Yeah. Oh, come on, man. Ain't nobody gonna match that. Ain't nobody gonna boom, 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 boom. Walking to you, know what I'm saying? And Chris walking back and forth, hitting you with the four toss salad and all them jokes. Come on, yeah. man. Shannon, you cannot beat that pace. You can't even keep up. You can't keep up with it because you're like, God damn, this dude's shooting the shit out of me. He's shooting this, he's shooting me with these jokes. Right. I'm like, ooh, ooh, ooh. I can't, I can't even keep my balance, man. But he's too close in age to me. He's reachable. He he I can grab him right now. He's a friend of mine. Right. I love him. I love him. I would love him to be up there, but I got to go. See, Chris wasn't around. I didn't know Chris when I first had in my mind I wanted to do this. You know what I mean? I never stepped on, on stage before, but this one guy, I feel like he was a big, all these guys were a big part of my, and I needed these styles. And I said styles make fights. Right. I needed a balance of all four of these guys in order for me to get the courage to walk on stage and grab that microphone. Right. So I I, I feel like as far as stand up, I got to add my man, George Carlin, because all I can think about in this moment is George Carlin was so, all these comedians are very outspoken in their way, every mm -hmm. last one of them, different eras, but very, 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 very outspoken. Now, I can only imagine what George Carlin would do 
with this shit show we got going on in the world today. I mean, he would have a fucking field day, Shannon. You hear me? He would have a no. He would take this stuff and he would mangle it. He will mangle what's going on in the world today. That was his style. That was his thing. Right. You know, outspoken, uh, uh, poignant, all the things you could think of. This dude, he he could find a way to make you look so stupid in your thinking, in the things you are making important in your life, the things that the government is doing. He would take every half the stuff he said in his last special happened. Right. And the man is dead. The man been gone. Sandra. Right. Half the stuff he said and half the stuff he's been saying in all his specials is happening. That's the crazy part. You look at it like, damn. He knew he knew stuff about human nature that you can that only certain kind of certain comedians can take it. Take right. human nature. Some some are very storytellers, which is prior, you know, storytellers. Eddie Murphy was very uh uh, uh, I say he he's uh, uh, he can he can talk about almost anything, but when he starts talking about his family and different things like that, oh oh, Eddie will kill you. Yeah, yeah, you're dying. You know, Aunt Bunny, you know, he has some he has yeah. some stuff, relationship stuff to kill you, to kill you. You know what I mean? Um, these are and Cosby, he's sitting there, he's sit, he's sitting down, he sat down on a chair, he and, and paint the he paint pictures. And tell you stories and paint pictures, man. How can you not? You sit there like these damn styles, all these styles. How you know? And you sit and not, not one of them is alike. Each and one of these guys is completely different. You couldn't even put them in a ring together because you couldn't tell who win. You when I look at, and I think you left Chappelle off because Chappelle is your age. He's a peer of yours. I can't. I can't. I knew Dave when he was fifteen. When he walked <laughs> on stage, I'm twenty something. He was 15, waiting to go, waiting to go on stage in the same club. Right. I you know, don't get me wrong. Chappelle is my man. Right now, if they was to right now, he is definitely someone. He's the king right now. Who, he is the king right now. There is no king right now other than Dave Chappelle. He is the king right now. But I gotta go by what inspired me. That little 15-year-old boy who's waiting to go on stage. And the comedy club, he didn't inspire me in my in my upcoming. Right, right. He was just a he was another another kid, another right. kid starting out who who watching us, and, and and you know who was amazing in his right. young age. But he he, I was already on my. On you were your sin, right? Right. That sin, yeah, exactly. I can't say, you know, had I started today. I would say, shit, I gotta throw, I gotta throw Chappelle up in there because I'll be starting today. So let, let me ask you a question. Robin Harris was, I think he was on the ascend Woo! before he he lost, uh, he died. Bernie Mac is still one of my favorites. Uh, you know yes. what? After I've listened to him a couple of times, you know who I like? Seinfeld. And I didn't, I didn't watch his show, and I wasn't a big Seinfeld watcher, but I've listened to some of his things. I can get yes. down with Seinfeld. See, I, I think for me, when I hear Pryor and I hear Red Fox and I hear some of these other guys, mm -hmm. that's relatable to me because that's how we talk in our yeah. community. I can relate yeah. to that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. it's like a, a, di a food dish. You talk <laughs> about oxtails, you talk about neck bones, you talk about pig and sandwiches, that's things yeah. I can relate to. So when someone talks yeah. about cooking that, okay, I get that. 
I don't always relate to some of the other comedians that are outside of my demographic. And I, exactly. I'm, but you know, you know what I'm talking about, Smooth. I know that. See, here's the thing. Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing that that's going to put that in a nutshell. Back when Blockbuster was open, right? Right. I was I was walking around Blockbuster, right? And I realized something. I said, I think I told my wife this. I said, baby, do you realize? that we can walk in Blockbuster and we can rent anything in here, could we get it? We can rent anything in this damn Blockbuster, take it home, put it in and get it because we have to understand everybody. We right. have to. It's just the nature of what it is right. as a black person. We gotta understand all, we gotta understand all this. Right. But why people can't walk in Blockbuster and just grab Friday? Right, right. They, they, they ain't gonna get it. No, they can't car grab wash, wash. Who they can Yeah, they can't grab that. baby they can't boy. That up. Oh hell no! They ain't gonna get it. They ain't right. gonna laugh at the right, the right stuff. They're gonna be afraid to laugh. Right at, the, at stuff because they ain't gonna know what 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 this shit right. laugh at. Right, they, they ain't gonna get it. They ain't gonna understand it. House I said, party, we house party. You ain't gonna... <laughs> Shannon, come on, man. You can't get that. You can't get that as a gift to somebody. Right. You know, your white friends, your ego. You're right. This, Smooth, this let me ask you this. House party. Smooth, <laughs> let me ask you this. Okay, you're doing a you're doing a show, and mm -hmm. one of these other guys walk in. They might be before you. They might be after you. I know when you go to uh, obviously the All Star game. When you just, uh, let's just yeah. take basketball All Star game. You know, yeah. guys want to show. Okay, Steph Curry, you shoot. Uh, I can make threes too. I can make logo yeah, threes yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, LeBron, <laughs> you want to dunk? I can dunk too. Are you in secretly competition? Because I remember when I used to run. I go to the gym. I'm at the treadmill. You might not think it, but you're racing me, bro. <laughs> don't even worry about it. Don't if if what was was known doesn't need to be spoken. But we're racing. You, I mean, you're trying to go twin ten. I'm going eleven. You going twelve? I'm going thirteen. You know, we're Olympic. You going thirteen thousand steps? I'm going fifteen. We racing. So are you in competition against that guy at the club? I am not. But that person's in competition with me. That, okay. That's the bad part, and that that's the part that is sad on some levels. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, it's it's sad, but we as much as we give to our audiences, the inner workings of it, you know, it can get a little, you know, it gets a little messy sometimes, you know, especially coming up, doing right coming up. But it it, it is what it is. If, you know, if you got a bunch of cats in the circus and they all can walk on the tightrope real good with the chair and, and they, right. can, they can, they can, bat, they got all got good balance. You're not special then. If you, if we all can do the same thing, I, you got to be able to do something, something that gotta, I can't do to set, to set yourself apart. Now, here's the thing. So that particular guy can walk on that tightrope. He got right. that chair. He got, you know, he can put that chair, one leg of that chair on that rope. Right. And sit his ass down, Shannon. Right. He's sitting there, bowing himself out. Everybody looking at him like, oh, man, he's he just showing out now. Right. You know? But I guarantee you, one of them other guys is going to steal that, and they're going to try to do it. They're going to go home and practice it, and then they're going to be able to sit in the chair on the table. They're going to be able to do the same damn thing. <laughs> so the, the, ra the race, a race only comes into play if two people agree that it's a race. You know, one one guy might not even know it's a race, but you you hauling ass. Say so you hauling ass. 
I'm just running. But you right. on air. But somehow you hold on there so hard, but we still side by side. Right. We still, we still, but you working, you working hard. Right. You working hard. But I'm just like, stri- I'm like striding. I'm just striding. Right. You, you striding I'm like, out. I'm just striding out. You were like, you like, you like, you got this <laughs> I'm running. You hauling ass. It's, it's right. different. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I say that because there are, there are people who are motivated by your, you know, motivated by your failure. And that's, it is the nature. And I think in this world of social media, you see more of, of the character of people come out, mm-hmm. you know? And I think, um, you know, everything is more out front now, you know? I think um, it, it's, almost, it's almost cool to hate. It's almost right. cool to make it a competition. It's almost cool to compare yourself to everybody all the time. It's almost too, it's almost cool to boast. It's almost cool to do all these things, which is terrible. But we we've have we have somehow landed in this in this climate. But right. you know, some people think you're you're racing them, and yet you're not. You just you know you can only do you. You know, and that's why I say sometimes I say at the top, I said, man, I'm so content, man, and I'm so happy and blessed to have long. 30 years in the game, have longevity, have still have patience, still willing to learn. You know, I learn every day in this, in this, uh, in this, in this, in this stand-up world, in this acting world, in, in this world that, you know, constantly evolving. Right. You know, constantly the comedian has to evolve with the times because we Correct. have to be able to make it relatable to what we're talking about. Because the you thing know? is that, because you remember back in the day, everything kind of went. You can make jokes mm-hmm. about people's orientation. Ooh, you can make yeah. jokes about people's race and religion. Where that was acceptable then, that's really not acceptable now, even though comedians are supposed to push the boundaries. So you have to be careful. You have to evolve with the evolving and the changing of the times. Has you that have been to. difficult? It is. You know what it is? It has always been a part of the comedian. Um, it has always been there. It's, ne- it's never going to be something different. It has always been there. It is actually what we have to deal with constantly is uh, being PC. And, 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 you know, we've always had to deal with that. But you got to realize, you know, like, 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 uh, like Eddie... You know, you can't pull up those old albums. No. You know, <laughs> you have to, you gotta almost admit you were thinking different back then. You almost yes. gotta come out, you know what? You gotta almost say it yourself. You can't allow them to pull your albums up and start to dissect it. You right. gotta say, you know what? Man, that era, that time period, woo, we got away with so much. Yes. You know, anybody well, who I, who, in this no time, way. in this, in this time, I gotta say, hey, that was that was, was yeah. that was some that was some early year stuff in my in yeah. my youth. I, I took some chances in comedy, but people, you know what? People loved it, and the times were different. Um, of course, I would never do any of those things nowadays because it just right. doesn't fit the times. Everybody's too PC, you know. And I would never, you know, degrade or say anything bad about women or or you know or or your gender. You know, it just you know. I'll take this. This is a good example. So I um. I had uh, I had to pull up my old my my old comedy comedy uh special and I was like man so this is a bit I used to do people used to love it so I used to do about 
um, police officers, right? Right. And I was sit there and do this whole run on. Uh, I talked about how you know, in, in, living in LA, everybody's always running from the police. You know, these high speed. All you see are these high speed car chases all the time. I said, man, and these, you know, I said, and police officers. This is like years ago, but police officers, like five years ago. But police officers, you know, would get mad because when you when they blow your tires out, they put a spike strip down to blow your tire. You get out the car and start running. And it's a whole fifteen minute bit about how once you got the car and start running, a police officer get mad as hell because he got all that shit on that belt. And I got, and I put everything on the belt you can think of, but it's all about, you know, how, you know, uh, uh, criminals and, and police officers. Now, back then, of course, the joke was relevant because people do run a lot in LA. You know, right. you know they run, they love to run out here. You know, they will have a cop chasing them all day if they had to, until the car ran out of gas. And you trying to watch TV. They still put those chases on TV oh, out here. You, oh, yeah. And you run out. You you be mad because they interrupt your TV show. You be like, yes. guys, can't watch nothing out here. You know? You like, man, they would interrupt anything out here in L.A. They would, <laughs> I, you, I said, they would interrupt a damn DVD. They don't right. give a damn. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did this whole bit about police chasing people. And catching, catching you, and 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 all the stuff on the belt. I'm talking about they had a they had a, a gun, taser, bullets, you know, breathalyzer, that damn uh, a lie detector, a coffee maker. I had all this stuff on the belt, and I said, man, they be mad because they got all that mess on the belt. They chasing you, and all that stuff is shaking around and spilling coffee and stuff. And man, it's dope. It's hilarious, right? And then I said, and I said the damn cop was so mad, you know. And this is, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to wrap this up at the end. But, and I did, a, I, I said, um, when they catch you, they'd be so mad at you. I said that the cop pulled his billy club out and he, he's so mad that you made him chase you. I said, he hit himself in the back and then he hit you. Like, boom, 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 boom. That's how mad he was at you. Now, that's the times we, we live in, right? We talk right. about, we talk, and we talk about how a lot of comedians, because we have to, make the obvious we have to make pain we have to make we have to take whatever's going on in the world make it relevant because mm -hmm. believe it or not laughter is the cure for a lot of things that we are going through and i say this all the time you if you think there wasn't at least one funny slave in the midst of all that on those plantations, you had to have one dude. You had to have one dude when they finished working on the plantation. You had to have one dude who had to take the sting off of what we going through, and he'll stand on that box. Boy, he be tearing. Boy, let me tell you something. He be mm -hmm. talking about the, the the damn slave owners. Boy, right. he be going in on them damn fools. They be laughing their ass off. Boy, right. you do got a tight ass. <laughs> you know what I mean? They be, yep. You have to. You have to have that separation of what is what is uh, happening and how to deal with it. Right now, Shannon, we going through a terrible time right now. Yes. Terrible. Yes. Pandemics. Black Lives Matter. We're going through a terrible presidential race. We're going through it. We are going, 2020 is it, like you said. 
People are going to be saying, man, it's that so 2020 of you. I'm telling you, it's going to come a time, Shannon, when this climate, this time period, our timeline, we are living in right now. It's going to come a time when a comedian is going to go on stage and completely clown 2020. Of course. Even though, even though death, even though pandemics, even though uh, police brutality, even though you name it, you name it, you name it, the rise of, 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 of racial, uh, racist um, groups, you know, even in the midst of all this, you cannot function mentally if all you hear is negative, negative, negative. You remember when, here's a good example. Remember uh, the fifth element? Yeah. Now this is, this right here might make you cry. Okay, remember fifth element when, um, I forgot her name, but anyway, you know, Bruce Willis had to uh, help the, help the, girl, the, the lady, mm -hmm. right? And remember, she didn't know anything, she didn't know anything. Remember they put, somehow she got a hold of some videos or something happened. And remember she was watching it and it was a history. It was a complete history of the world. Remember that? Right. All she saw was, she saw every good point and every horrible part of this planet Earth. And she started crying. Shan, that tear was rolling down her face because she just saw in a nutshell Everything she needed to find out about who she was, where she came from, and how this world is that she's right. about to come into. And she started crying because it was terrible. Right. Terrible. She saw war. She saw famine. She saw, she had, you name it, she saw that all like this back to back, back to back, back to back. Right. back. She didn't have time to even process it. And she started crying. No one in their right mind, Shannon, can possibly. People are overwhelmed right now. They're overwhelmed. It's impossible for you to constantly have overwhelming situations thrown at you. You're going to crack. You're going to crack. And that's when revolution happens. That's when people go out on their own because they feel like there's nothing they can lose. But they ain't getting nothing out of this. They're going to lose their marbles. And you need to have someone to take it, who, is, who has a stronger will, who has a different mental uh, capacity of for pain. And a lot of times, comedians can take horrible things that happen in their lives, right. and they find some way suppressing it, writing it, writing it funny, whether they had a bad father or bad mama or whatever it is, they suppress it. They find a way to Im 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 do impression of their dad or impression of their mom. And it can be, undertone could be the most horrible things ever. But they find some way to make it relatable to you sitting in that audience and you be laughing your ass off because you know that he couldn't be up there telling you the full pain of it. Right. And that's what want, this, this right here that we are going through right now somehow has got to go from, from this, this, this horrible feeling that we are having to somehow making sense of it. 
And mm-hmm. to me, the only person that makes sense of it is one of these amazing comedians, Dave Chappelle or whoever, is gonna walk on that stage and be as blunt with you, but in its honesty, it's gonna make you laugh and realize that we gotta push through all this somehow. And we gotta make sense of it. For some reason, this is happening right now for a reason. You know, we are not in control of any of this stuff. You know, as much as we are at the mercy of people who are in government, people who are, you know, I say, this is what I say. I don't really listen to people because I know that people are all humans and we are all actually learning how things work at the same time. Some people might find out before you, that doesn't make them smarter than you, you know. There's things that they could never understand and be smart enough to do that you know how to do. Right. And there's things that they know that you can't do. But in all reality, we are all learning at the same time how the world works and what is and what it is. No one knows what it is. I don't, I think everybody's dumb. Every we're all dumb. We we're all dumb, believe me. No one is this freaking amazing person that knows everything. If they did. They would have saved the planet a long time ago. Correct. That person doesn't exist. We are all dumb as hell, I promise you. Every day something new comes out. They find out some food been fucking your body up all these years you didn't know about. Right? right. They're making drugs on TV. They had a thousand damn side effects. They, they got to find that stuff out after they give it to you. They can't just say it's going to cause this because they don't know what's going to happen until they give it to somebody and test it on one of, them, one of us. So... I say that because, man, we're going to find some way to take all this and it's got to make sense because the only way to deal with all this is to have some version of it that is able to take your mind away from the pain of it. You can't take that kind of pain forever. You're going you're gonna to take pain pills to a certain point until you become addicted right. to them. And right. now, you mess, now you mess your whole body up. Now you can't right. get off of them. So, so that, that saying the comedian is is the catalyst for everything you know getting back to production these studios reopening because they know people ain't gonna be able to yeah be able to, the people ain't going another year like, without being able to go to the movies and go be entertained you better be able to turn your tv on and you better be able to watch something and laugh because you won't like you gotta laugh to keep from crying you better right. laugh to keep from crying because we don't know if it's gonna get worse we all know there's been a movement to try to bring equality to Hollywood. They want more blacks, more women in roles. What do you feel about, and, and this is the animation, we've seen, and some have given up those roles where we see white actors and actresses doing voiceovers for black characters. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? Animation is a unique thing because I've, I've seen it. You know, I can't, I can't say... I haven't done a white character on TV before. I can't say I haven't done a white voice. I, I can do just about any voice. You know, I can I can do just about anything you want me to do. And think about this. You know how many times I played characters that weren't that weren't uh, gender. It be black. You know, it wasn't black. It wasn't white. It was just a character. You know what I mean? Now I can make them sound however I want them to sound, but right. you know. But that takes me looking at the character. I, every time I do a, a, a voiceover, an animation, I always say, send me how he looks. That's the first thing I say. Let me see if he's purple. Let me see if he has eight arms. 
you know, I just, when I did the Harley Quinn thing, the, the, the Harley Quinn, um, I played Frank the Plant, right? Mm -hmm. um, I said, Let me, send me a photo of the plant. I want to see how he looks. I want to see how his face looks. I want to see how, you know, he has, he has little, he has little leaves mm -hmm. for his hands, but you can point and stuff. So when I do my voiceover, I, I do this. This how I, this, this how I do my voiceover because I want to, I want to, I want to, you know, you embody the character. You actually, yes, even though it's animation, you it. Man, we got a match. So I'm gonna be honest, man. I I met some black comedians who could do some amazing white people, and I met some white comedians who can do a black voice. Mm -hmm. I, I I've seen them do it. I'm like, ooh, this dude do a good Eddie Murphy. Oh, this dude do a good, you know. And I'm like, oh snap. But you are still a product of whatever you are around. This mm -hmm. is, you know. If you're used to hanging around with a mixed crowd or a mixed audience, or you got black friends, you naturally are going to be able to do a black character. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, see, we want to make sure that, this is what we want to make sure as, as actors and black actors is we are doing this because we are, like, here's a question you got to ask. Uh, we are doing this because I'm talented, right? Right. That's what you fucking want to say. Uh, we are doing it because I'm talented and not just because I'm black, right? Right. I don't, I don't want you to give me shit. I don't want you to give me nothing. And I've always been like that. I'll turn down stuff. I don't want you to give me nothing. I want to show up to work because you want me to come to work and do this. Right. I don't want you to give me, I don't want you to give me nothing. I don't want no handout. I, see, I'm like this, man. I, I am not a handout dude. You know, um, you know, I I wouldn't even expect. I dig my own self out of stuff. I give me a shovel and I dig myself out. Now I'm like, ain't a lot of saying. Sometimes I have, while I'm digging myself out, I have literally thrown dirt over my shoulder back into the same damn hole. Right. Plenty of times because I don't know. I I, I don't know sometimes what to think. Right. So a lot of times I stay in the same spot. And if you're digging a hole and you're throwing the dirt over your shoulder back into the same damn hole you're digging, you right. ain't getting nowhere. You're you going still, nowhere. You're still in the same position. So I don't want to be in the same position because you're giving me something because just because I'm black. Right. You know what I'm saying? And you right. have to do it. I don't like you have to do it. You know, I want you to say this dude right here is talented and man, he's going to be great in my movie. Right. I don't like people doing shit because someone told them they had to do it because I, that, that throws me off because it makes it makes what the work you put in to get to your point minimal. It makes like you're not talented. I'm just doing this shit because I have to. Because right. they making me do they making me do this shit. Mm -hmm. Woo man, that's a hurtful feeling, man. Right. How you show up knowing that someone had to do it? You want to show up because. They, they have to have you. They want you that bad. Right, they need you. They need you. They need your particular, they need your particular presence on this set. They don't, you don't want, man. The last thing you want to do, man, is be slighted. In, right. your, in your work you put in, slighted, man. You be like, man, I feel so slighted. I'll tell you what that good example is. This is football. It's a football one. Remember when, <laughs> remember when goddamn, uh, the Jets brought in Tebow. Yes. I was mad as hell, man. I was mad as hell. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you why. 
The guy only got in on third down, like maybe twice a game. And guess what they did? Hand the, hand the ball off. The man ran up the middle. Man, that hurt me so bad, man. And I know, I know that man was hurt. Yeah. He had to do no good what? He had to show up. He 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 had to show up. He had a contract. The man had to show up. How they used the man, uh, I was I was hurt because I know the dude on the Heisman, the dude, you know, the miracle play in Pittsburgh and, and, and you know, all this stuff that happened. And man, right. to be relegated to reduce the ball that. and run up the middle, push for a, a third and one. Or, or it's like Ouch! God damn it, man! That had to hurt the man. I had to hurt, and I'm sure it's happened in many other instances with people, athletes, comedians, whatever you, whatever you do. But you don't want you don't want to show up because someone had to do it. That's not where we need to be at because right. nothing is going to be honest. Not coming from an honest place. Right. So if you are talented enough, to, if you are talented enough, I can give a damn. I'm gonna be honest. If you are talented enough and it's obvious you're more talented, of course. Have fun. Do your show your talents, show your ass. But man, don't do it because don't do it because you have to do it. It, th it throws me off. I can't even give you 100 percent on set if I know damn, if I know I'm just here because of, of, a, of just because you, you had to do it. Right. Woo! You don't want to come in for a quota. You don't want, you don't want to come in because you fit the quota. Right. Yeah. Oh man, that hurt you so bad, man. Like you know, if you had to, if you had to show up on the field and you know damn well you catch the ball, you knock somebody up, you can run, you can do it. You want to score some touchdowns, and it's on my block. Just keep blocking. Don't don't, don't worry about it. Just block. I'm gonna right. put you in the third down. Just block. You like man? I don't need to be here. This is not why I'm I should be here. Right. So that, smooth, that's what smooth. I'm gonna get you out of here on a couple of sports. LeBron. Came to the Lakers. He won a title this year with Anthony Davis. Four titles, four MVPs. Talk to me. What 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 did you see from LeBron this year? What I saw was see this is this is the thing about. Here's what I think back to. I think back to that first season, uh, Miami. You know, Dwayne Wade playing against Dallas. You know what I mean? Yeah. To me, here's the thing that happened when I watched that game. I watched a team that hadn't gelled yet. I watched a team. You see, do you know how many bad passes was in that game? Mm -hmm. That was the sloppiest. I mean, I know these guys ain't never played together. I mean, they played together, but I know they ain't never been in that kind of situation where, and you're on a big stage. Right. I watched that game like, wow, these dudes ain't ready. They shouldn't even have, I would rather have stayed home and got eliminated in the playoffs rather than <laughs> end up in Dallas and 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 look that Play bad. like that. Oh man, it looked bad, man. All I can say was, look, man, I said, give them a year. I said, once they learn how to learn how to play with each other and learn how to learn the, the timing and the passing and all the little intangibles, this team's gonna be good. Right. And that's what that's what I feel like. You know, but that's also because LeBron is LeBron is a leader, you know, but he needs to not rely on you on you, but know that he can rely on you. Correct. Which is different. Which is right. different. It's a whole different thing. 
So I, I think this year he found that in the Laker team. I think he turned it up. I think LeBron is an amazing player, man. I think, you know, I, I agree with almost everything you, you say about him on, on the show. Uh, and I think that this guy is, how do you, you don't, based on this year, he doesn't have no drop-off. Where, where is his drop-off? Where is that moment we say, oh, okay, it's a wrap. Not the same. He ain't got that it's a wrap yet moment yet. Right. When this man might, this man might play till 40 years old. Yeah. This might. You no, know, he has not shown the drop off. He, here's what the thing is people forget that this is not just all mental, I mean, all physical. This is a right. mental thing. Oh, absolutely. You, you, oh, you got to have it. You got to have, not just do you have to have, you know, uh, mental strength. You gotta have resilience. You gotta be, you gotta have that bounce back because the man has lost. It ain't like to me, the greatest strength shown to me is when you lose and you have the ability to still come back and win again. Overcoming oh, adversity. Oh yeah. When you lose, when you lose, lose, and people expect you to win, that's the double layer of of of, of, of pressure on your mind. I don't want to disappoint my fans again. I don't want to disappoint me. I don't want to show up to the big game and and not and not play right and lose. You know, he, that that to me is the ultimate right. level of strength, especially in in the sports world. This dude, I think what they did for the Lakers, man, and the timing of it. You know, I said it before. You know, all this. I said this is going to make a great story. Right. You know, I, I live, let me tell you something, I live right an exit away. I mean, literally, I can see the area where from my house, if I stand on my roof, I can see further enough, I can see almost in the vicinity of where Kobe crashed at wow. from my house. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you something crazy. That morning, you know, we, we were in the process of building our new home but we were still at our house, our, our old house, which is five, six blocks away. Mm -hmm. So we woke up that morning, had plans to come over to the new house and talk to the concrete guy about the driveway. Mm -hmm. So we wake up in the morning and I said, God damn. I said, baby, I don't think I've ever seen it this foggy in my life. Mm -hmm. And it was a weird, like, I don't know what it is, man, but it was a weird, eerie kind of like fogginess outside. Mm -hmm. It was that bad. It right. was that bad, Shannon. I was like, God dang, it's, it's cloudy. It's, it's foggy outside. And my wife said, wow, yeah. Because we live, our old house is on a hill, and we could see right. the, the mountains. Right. We, we see the right. mountains, all the mountains. And we couldn't see nothing. You couldn't see, see nothing. Anything. You couldn't see nothing. I was like, I can't even see the mountains at all. I only see four rows of houses, blocks. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't see nothing else past that. Right. When we come over here to meet the concrete guy, we're standing in the driveway and we're talking and we're like, you know, so how are we gonna do this? And all of a sudden we heard, right? And we, we all look around like, what is that? It was a helicopter flew over our house and Shannon, I'm gonna tell you something. It was flying so low and it was so loud. 
And all I could say was, man, that helicopter is loud. And we saw it go over us. We was like, damn, right? So this is crazy. So we leave the concrete guy. You talking about this time span is like 15 minutes. We leave 10, 15 minutes. We leave uh, and go to Ralph's, the shopping center. By the time we parked, right? This was like, it's like two blocks away, the Ralph's. Go around the corner. And and uh, I sat in the car. And then my, my wife went, went in Ralph's. So when she walked out the car, my buddy Shannon, you know Shannon Smith, played basketball. Yeah. Shannon Smith. So Shannon texted me and said, hey, I just heard some, something that came across the news saying that uh, Kobe's helicopter crashed. I'm like, yo, my heart jumped out my chest, man. I said, yo, yo, and my wife was still in the store. So I got out the car and stood in the parking lot. Like, I'm looking around, like, did anybody else know what the fuck just happened? I'm looking around, and this one dude came by with a shopping cart. He had a, I think he had a Lakers jersey on. He said, yo, man, did you hear? I, I think I just heard on my little earpiece that someone said uh, it was a helicopter crash, and I think Kobe was on it. I'm like, holy shit, man. All I think about was, was that his helicopter or was that someone going to the site? Right. Because it was it was so foggy. It was so foggy. Like, this helicopter was literally, I mean, it was it was flying low enough where it's almost like they were trying to see where it was right. going. And you right. can't see when you're up there. You, you can right. only see when, you're, you, when you can see, you can see. You know what I mean? Right. You can't. Right. And I was like, and I was just going by the timeline. I said, man, I wonder was that someone rushing to their aid? Right. Or, I, I didn't know. I didn't know. Because all I know was it was it was almost surprising how loud and low it was. You know, because they don't normally fly that low. Right. And you only fly that low if you're trying to see. Right. It, it was that foggy, Shannon. Right. And it gave me a it hurt me, man. I was like, yo. And once I heard, and I knew, I knew, I knew exactly the area. Once they said this the, the exit, I said, Oh, baby, it's right here. It's like right there. This happened. Right. And, and and I'm weird, man. There's people who want to go down there. I said, man, nah, I can't, I can't look at pain like that. Cause I know it's a terrible thing that happened, man. And this is a icon of, of Los Angeles, man. This yep. is respect this man's. You know, his daughter's on the flight. It's other friends and family, man. It's right. like, respect what happened. You know what I mean? Right. Just don't go down there and make it a spectacle. Right. And the last thing I would want to do is go down there and, you know, stand in there. And all of a sudden, people recognize you. And, they, and then it, it, it goes away from that to, let me get a picture with you. Or, right. And I, I wouldn't want to go down there and take the, you know, these people got a job to do and try to, rescue people or whatever's happening mm -hmm. and you can't be that insensitive right and get in the way or you know and i live i mean literally i could i could ride my bike there it's that close right it, it, it was terrible man so this is big for la this is what needed to be done they needed to win this to complete the story yes this story would have been i'm telling you i couldn't even imagine you showing up on the show, and they lost. Oh no, I didn't. I, I, I couldn't. No, I, couldn't I didn't take a vacation. I know, cause I know, I know how you feel about LeBron, and I yep. know, I know, I know how Skip. You know, I know, I know what angle Skip gonna come from, and I'm like, <laughs> man. I said, man, 
they better win this game. They had to. I, they had to win it. I said, they, they got to They got to do it for the city of Los Angeles. They got to do it for Kobe. And, you know, and I'm happy that LeBron had enough confidence in his team, enough confidence in what he wanted to do that sometimes, I tell people all the time, sometimes you got to speak your actions into existence. Yes. You got to speak on what you plan on doing. No disrespect to the other team. No disrespect to anybody else. This is what I got to do. I got to make this go. So I'm going to say, I'm going to put it into the universe and say, we we have to win this and we're going to go for it. We're going to give it our all and we're going to win this game. If right. you don't say that, you lose, you step, you get a step back. You right. know, and that, you know what, that's what I told, I, I did the Jets um, debut of their new uniform. Mm -hmm. event in New York, right? Right. And I told them guys, I said, look, man, you guys got a brand new uniform. You know, no one's ever wore this uniform. Right. I said, y'all got to find some way to make this make sense. Don't make, don't, don't have this moment where you can hit the reset button and you got a brand new uniform. This uniform is yours. I said, y'all, I said, y'all scared to even talk trash. Your job is to talk trash. Your job is to go on that field and punch somebody in the mouth. You punch right. people in the mouth every week. Every Sunday, you punch somebody in the face. How are you going to sit there and say you ain't going to go out there and fight? You better say you're going to go out there and punch somebody in the mouth. You better say it. You better make them think you're going to. Ain't nothing worse than playing somebody and they flinching. They flinching. Flinching can be this. You can make them flinch. Or your flinch, you can make people flinch off words. Right. If you talk enough trash, they going to flinch in their mind. Mm -hmm. All they thinking is, this dude going to punch me in the mouth. They don't know when, but they don't get punched in the mouth. So you right. got to step on that field and be prepared to punch somebody in the mouth. Even if they're losing effort, they better leave there limping. They better leave there like, <laughs> God, damn, they whooped our ass, but we won. Yeah. They got to remember next time they come, they going to be flinching because they were like, man, last time we beat y'all by 21, but God, Boy, y'all put it on us. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you don't have that, what do you have? And that is a true testament to this dude's work ethic. He made it happen, man. Yep. He made it happen. And let, I'm going to get you out of here on this one. Your Knicks, you had an opportunity. You missed on Zion. You missed on Kyrie. You missed on KD. Will you guys, will the Knicks ever be able to attract the big-time free agent and what are your expectations of the Knicks next season? Here's another. I'll throw this in there too. I wish we had got. I'm, I'm, this is not the biggest piece in the world, but see, I go by this. I go by getting pieces to get a piece. Right. You, you can't. Sometimes you cannot get the big piece unless you have a piece that the big piece want to see. Right. You, you can. You, we might have got Zion, but that's maybe going to win. Right. You need something there so when Zion get there, he can say, I see. I see what we can do. Mm -hmm. But if you can't see what we can do, ain't nobody going to come to the Knicks. Right. What they should have did was this. They should have got Kimba. They should have jumped on Kimba. I would have made it happen. I would have brought the boy home. We could have we could have had a nucleus. I was at a Nick game one one night. Boy, I saw Kimba tear our ass up. 
And I said, man, they don't bring it. And I knew his contract was going to be up. And I knew he was going to be free. I said, man, if they don't get this dude right here, if they don't bring, if they don't get Kimber, we got to start somewhere. That's yeah. going to make somebody else come. Right. Of course. We missed everybody, man. Now, well, they, I think they was kind of hoping they'd get Kyrie and KD. Nah, but, then, but that's the thing. If you don't, you you're hoping and waiting on K, KD and Kyrie. But if you don't get one of them, then what? You get you nothing. Get, they got you get nothing. nothing. You got to get something to bring something. You cannot. You can't rely on getting those two dudes unless those two dudes completely agree that we both gonna come to the Knicks and we right. both gonna change things. You right. need to get something there. You need to get some excitement. What they should have did. I ain't lying. I've been saying this for years. And I sit on your show. They should have got goddamn got Mark Jackson. Right. Now, I don't know what is going on and why this man, this icon, you got to give the fans something to cheer for until right. they have something to cheer for. Right. You know, and, and we're not going to get that big time player. We're not going to get him. I right. wish, I wish, I wish, Shannon, we would get out with that. I wish we would get. The Greek freak to come on down from, <laughs> from Milwaukee, man. I, I, yeah. I wish, I wish, you know. And I, I already got a slogan for the for the team and everything. I'm, you know, I'm a marketing genius, man. I love like play on words and stuff. Right. I was like, y'all gonna go for this dude, man. But I'm sorry, we don't got we got some good players, the young players, but we need to entice people to come to the Knicks. This okay. is like one of the biggest market teams in the, in the country. Sometimes you need a little fish to attract the big fish. You did. You need it, man. I <laughs> said, man, if Giannis come over here, they, they, they do a campaign. You know, I said, I said, man, look, let me be the let me be his damn publicist in the commercial. All it is, and we promoting, bringing him to the Knicks. Maybe he comes to the Knicks. That'd be awesome. And then we could go out there and promote as a publicist. I would say, man, we are advocating that the new city of New York changes the city of New York. To the city of New Giannis. See that? Right. New Giannis. Oh, shit. What an amazing campaign. People be amped up. Got New Giannis shirts on it. New Giannis, bring the man to New York, man. Let's make it happen, man. I know he, I know Milwaukee gonna try to hold on to that man because that's all they got. They, they, if they lose him, people are leaving these small market teams, man. Yeah. They these super teams. So I, I don't know. But that just because you get it, you got to know how to play with a person. You got to know, you know, you can't just throw the man anywhere. Right. You don't want to waste that man's career. Yep. You don't want to waste it, man. And the same thing with Zion. You got to go somewhere where you can nurture these young these young guys, man, and get them right. And they, you got to have somebody on the, on the team that they can feed off of. You got to have something they can, somebody they can talk to in the locker room. All these young guys need that. They all need right. that. Otherwise, they're just running. They're just running. They just run and run and run and they get hurt or something happens. They don't got organization on the court. You need you need to put a team together like a puzzle, man. Right. And that team that won the championship, this team that was in that bubble, man, which is another level of mental, you know, your, your mental got to be right to stay right. in that bubble for that long, man. You got to. Right. You got to. And, and to be away from your family and be away from everybody that long, man, and still have to have the have that in you that allow you to win this championship, man. That's you know, we we gonna these Knicks got a little ways to go, but you need something to get something, and right. you gotta be willing to 
make that small leap in order to pull somebody here. But I, I still say Kimball would have been a nice piece to have. And um, he can push the ball. He can do a little bit of everything, man. He's exciting to watch play. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, man. I, I don't know what's on the horizon for the Knicks, but, you know, we got some good young players, man. I, I, I do like RJ. I do like Knox. I like, I like what we got. But, you know, it, it is a team that you you gotta you gotta have some names on that team, man, for the people to understand what you're trying to do. And the fans just want to see you. Fans just need effort, man. Fans just want to see effort. You see, you bust your ass. That's okay. You know, you know the old Knicks, man. You got, man, come on, man. You you barely got out of that building with 88 points back in the day. Right. Remember? Yep. Man, you come in town, you might score 80. You might score 88. You'll be lucky to get in the 90s because them boys, they, they put it on you. Yep. They put it on you, man. And and, and the fans need to see that kind of effort, man. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a Nick through good and bad, man. I'm a Nick fan, man. And we're we going to see what happens, man. But uh, we got a, a lot of young players. We need to get we need to get one good name there. And, and we, need to, we need to get somebody a good name there to be able to pull the big fish. But we need – but we also need – some sort of management needs to have a little more. Uh, what's the word for it? <laughs> we gotta. I don't like the management on any level of of most of my New York teams. I don't like how they handle things. Right. And I think I think it pushes people away. And I I just don't want the city, the fans, to continue to suffer by. People being pushed away, right? And and it's not good for the fans. And fans just just gotta hang on. And it's it's hard, man. It's hard be it's hard being a loyal fan if you feel like you know you you're not really doing it for the team. Mm -hmm. You you don't know why they're doing it, and you you just want to be on the same page with the fans, man. You want to give them what they come out to to see. Right. You want to put a show on. You want to make sure win or lose. That you're 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 give, you're really giving attention to the fans and making sure you're not just doing stuff for spite or doing stuff because you can. It's really about putting them seats in there and making people, you know, ain't nothing better than leaving. I, oh, I left the, the old Nick game, the Starks and Hewitt. You know how many times I left that bad boy even in a loss, smiling because I was like, oh, I can keep pulling up. It's a good play here and there. Yep. You know what I mean? And that keep yep. you going. That keep you going. Like man, woo! And Mark, when Mark came down court and threw that ball back with him, and Patrick caught it and dumped it. Ooh, we lost. <laughs> but man, that play. Ooh, you see promise. You see promise. Yeah. You know? That's all. That's all we want as a fan. Yep. That's all we want. I'm a real fan. I'm a real fan through the good and bad. I'm a ride. I'm a ride it out. We'll see what happens. Smooth. I really appreciate it, bro. I really appreciate you taking time, spending a couple hours with me today, talking. Good catching up with you. I'll see you down the road. I'll see you down the road, brother. You know I love you. All right, bro. Have a good one. <laughs> all my life. Been grinding all my life. Sacrifice. Hustle paid the price. Want a slice. Got to roll the dice. That's why. All my life. I've been grinding all my life. Yeah. All my life. Been grinding all my life. Sacrifice. Hustle paid the price. Want a slice. Got to roll the dice. That's why. All my life. I've been grinding all my life. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. 
Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.